0: With traffic, errands, and parking, cars can be a chore. But a great car can be an adventure, a getaway, and a prized possession.
1: Whatever your budget or family require, there's a car out there you'll love. We're here to help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Maybe I just missed it, but I'm trying to think of how many cars in the industry have a separate warranty for perforation. I know you listening. I've like never seen that. Happy Tuesday. We are, we are driving a, uh, a Hyundai uh, Santa Fe Limited. Okay. So that is their five seat. We have a, we have an offering in this category as well. It's, I'll be honest with you. It's fine. It's not a standout. I thought of it as the invisible car. It is kind of the invisible car. Not because
0: it's not good. And we like Hyundai and we've shown Hyundai a lot of love, Mm -hmm. but it seems to me this was designed and conceived before Hyundai got all spicy and, you know, just started trying things like let's fold this paper into that shape and let's try that and let's throw that dart at that board. And we're just trying stuff and they're coming up with cool things in almost every category except for the Santa Fe. I'm thinking there's a current redesign in the cards and they're going to be bringing that forth soon. But this,
1: the Santa Fe has not been touched by Hyundai's magic. Yet it it has a feel of we need something here. It's good. Yeah. It has all it, the safety it, yes, features. Yes. It yes. Fine. Runs perfectly well.
0: It starts and runs, and it feels solidly built mm-hmm. and great. And I just think.
1: Huh. And yeah, um, it's, I feel invisible. it's just not a standout. It's just not a standout. And it does feel invisible. I agree with you. It, I just want to run this through real quick. Now the Monroney is always very funny. Now, if you don't know the, this is the sales label you see for a car. They're called the Monroney, which is an awkward name. And this is named after the Senator that pushed through essentially customer awareness. The mm-hmm, customer should right. know what a car really costs versus right. the guy at the car dealer just going, well, this one's this much. So, that was – it became a standardized thing. You had to put a Monroni on the car. It's named after him. That's why it has a weird name. Right. I have right. the Monroni in front of me. And it's always funny to me the things the manufacturers say, we should put that on the Monroni versus in the brochure, like on the Monroni on the side of the car. There's almost more information here than there is. The brochure is very like – It's – You know, caps but and guitars and ball caps and sunshine. But funny because some – so, like we just – we have a piece coming up this week on the Subaru Ascent, it's coming up to YouTube, and we talk about a random thing mentioned on that Monroney as well, so wait for that that's coming <laughs> Thursday. But this on the Hyundai says, the top thing on the Monroney says, standard features, America's best warranty. Which it is. Which we knew. Yep. Five-year, 60,000-mile new vehicle, yes. Ten-year, 100,000-mile powertrain, which is fantastic. But then under that… Is this line we've never seen before separate warranty line, seven years, unlimited mile anti-perforation warranty, which all I can figure out that's for is the leather seats. Anti-perforation. My mouth is hanging out open over here.
0: Nomenclature is very important because it doesn't say anti-puncture. It says (laughs) (laughs)
1: anti-perforation. And there's a lawyer somewhere that has backed that up. Plus, it's got a little asterisk. Look out. That would be frightening. This is all very interesting. Somebody educate us because I'm shaking my head at this going at anti-perforation warranty. warranty. So welcome to your anti-perforation podcast. We have uh, car conclusions and many, 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 (laughs) many of them in this episode. And plus we have a really cool car debate from Jillian as well. Summer's here and with that comes sunshine and blistering hot car interiors. I know that leather seat seemed like a great idea at the time until you scalded your legs. All you need is a custom sunscreen from Covercraft. These foldable sunscreens fit perfectly in the windshield
0: of your car and they keep your car a lot cooler while you're off enjoying the sunshine or whatever you're doing. I have used these for years and I'm telling you, I swear by them.
1: These custom sunscreens from Covercraft are available in a whole range of colors and they're a simple, affordable way for you to keep your car cooler all summer long and protected from damaging UV rays all year long. We swear by our
0: custom sunscreens from Covercraft. It's one of our favorite car accessories. And remember, you can get 10% off your car sunscreen by using the code EVERYDAY right now at Covercraft.com or you can follow the link from our sponsors page. Good news, everyone. The Maserati Ghibli Hybrid is coming. I just wanted to share the headline from the press release from Maserati. Mm. This car will be the spark that hit Maserati's tower and it's given way to the brand's electrification of the future. I, I'm,
1: I don't know what that means. You're quoting?
0: I'm quoting! I, I pulled that from the press release. The That's, spark that hit Maserati's tower is giving way to the brand's electrification of the future. Is Everyone. this like
1: Is this like you know Poseidon's holding up his his pickle yes. fork and it gets struck by lightning? Is this what this is? <laughs> more cocktails for
0: everybody. More hors d'oeuvres. Holding up the pickle fork. The next
1: round's on me. They haven't seen my Maserati shirt yet. I'll no, guarantee you. No, they haven't. They haven't. But it exists. It's <laughs> awesome. You can get that on our store, by the way, if you need it. Because it, I'm telling you right now, you need it. The you Miserati shirt is fantastic. It's yeah. Yeah, it's it's fun. All right. Well, uh, you know how I mentioned
0: avance.com last podcast, I believe. The founder, Adam Kramer, wrote to me Oh, yeah. Adam thank you so much for listening he said there's less emphasis on the car swapping aspect so there's a bit, bit of a clarification for me and therefore for you listening he says there's now more of a general all-around membership club feel and mm-hmm. that includes a variety of events and discount partners he said sort of like PCA sort of like BMW okay, CCA cool. and Audi Club all rolled into one he just wanted me to put that out there and cool he's that he's listening so, and wrote
1: in I think that's great yes Adam, super cool fantastic. and
0: uh, yeah pretty pretty cool that he's built this from the ground up and I had met him first when he mm-hmm. was just in the middle of building it, yeah. and it's yeah. really become a thing, which is pretty cool. So that is Avance.com. Do you see the, uh,
1: the Lotus rumor? Mm. Here's the Lotus rumor. I, look, Indeed. it's rumor, but I want to mention it real quick. Uh, let me connect the dots here also. Lotus uh, has, is an awesome car company. and I love their stuff, and they've never had enough money ever. <laughs> ever it's the
0: story of their lives they have been
1: owned by just about every car company you can think of the closest analog i can think I to so, it to huh? you is lamborghini who was also owned by everybody until they finally landed at audi and what audi did was bring them consistency and backing and money and part sharing and now lamborghinis are something you can buy and like drive every day crazy idea mm. okay lotus has never had that partner now lotus is owned by geely who also owned, owns volvo Yes, and indeed. And if you watch what's happened with Geely and Volvo, they have given Volvo money and infrastructure and said, go be you and do what you do. And they're making phenomenal <laughs> go be stuff. You. Seriously, go be you. Shine on. Go be you. And that also has allowed them to do the Polestar sub-brand
0: or yes. Halo brand,
1: however you want to look at yes. it, that is all electric. Tip
0: of the spear brand. There you go. really what mm-hmm. it is. Tip of
1: the spear. Yes. Anyway, all of this connects to this bit of rumor. The rumor is that Lotus is making, they don't even tell you what, one more gasoline-powered cars. Now, is that the new Elise? Is that an updated Evora? I don't even know. But they're supposedly going to make one more gasoline-powered car, and then they're going to go all electric. Yeah. Well, the actual quote is, everything's going to have an electric component, which which isn't really the all-electric headline. I just want to clarify. (laughs) You mean a battery? Great. Yeah. So anyway, but what I think is interesting is Lotus, I feel like is, and I say this as a fan. They are uniquely positioned to be an all-electric sports car brand yep. in a way that Porsche and many others are not. Indeed. Because Lotus is so oddball in their own way that they could go there and they would be, I think, less outcry than a lot of other manufacturers. Of course, they have the Avaya, the $2 million electric bullet.
0: I watched the video on that thing. So cool. It is very cool.
1: Oh, it's so But good. what I think is interesting is you know, the, the Lotus slogan we all know, simplify and add lightness. Mm-hmm. There is much discussion about how electric cars are simpler. I get you there. But adding lightness isn't going to be real possible if you go with a lot of batteries. I'm just putting it out there. You're not going to have a 2,000-pound Elise with your 400 miles worth of batteries. Is not going to happen anytime soon if you go all electric. I'll be very curious about this. Uh, I, that's all I'm going to say. I'm going to say I'm on standby. The boardroom meetings probably have been very interesting. Them knowing their ethos mm-hmm. and
0: their history and what. Colin Chapman founded the company to be versus the way the industry is going and, and the potential that they have. Mm -hmm. As soon as somebody invents a lightweight battery, all bets are off, but we're (laughs) nowhere close to that. Have you ever wanted to cruise the California coast in a replica Shelby Daytona coupe? Yes, us too. And now's your shot. DriveShare, the coolest
1: online car sharing platform around is giving you the chance to win an ultimate dream drive. All you have to do to enter is to tell Haggerty where your Dream Drive is, and you could win this one, the Shelby Daytona Coupe on the California coast. We're talking California Highway 1, PCH, in a Daytona. Enter today at driveshare.com slash dreamdrive. That's driveshare.com slash dreamdrive.
0: Guys, welcome to Topic Tuesday, where I apologize, we are backed up on car conclusions, and we are jumping into a mm-hmm. lot of them, of them, because you Love guys it. have been faithful and sending them in, thank you yeah, very great. much, we're just starting to get to a whole round of them, starting with Alex F., who says, hey guys, he listened to today's episode, I'm not sure which one that was, but he, he sent his new mountain bike <laughs> which is cool. It's a simple hardtail, a Fuji, Nevada, 29 inch. That's very cool. And he's fallen in love with biking again. But he says, you know, this fits easily in my 2018 Stinger GT photos also attached, which came out of the podcast. It came out of the podcast. Yes. Exactly. He says this has been a great new addition to the household this year. Took it skiing in New England this winter and looking forward to hauling and hooning the bike around to the trails. Thanks again for the Stinger Recommendation. That was episode 422. So, Alex, thanks for writing.
1: Yeah, for sure. And if you haven't seen it yet, we do have, as we are releasing, our older TV episodes to YouTube. Because we have discovered that many people have not seen a frame of our TV seasons. They're only watching us on YouTube. So, okay, so we're putting old stuff on YouTube. We just this past weekend released our episode. It's season three, episode two which is Kia Stinger. It's called the alternative. It's Kia Stinger versus the uh, BMW 430 Grand Coupe. We explain why it's the 430, not the 440. Coupe. Yes, yes. Because, you know, if you make a coupe shape and then you put four doors on it, then BMW has a category for you. So that There's is a, a 80 people who actually, would buy this. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe 81. <laughs> we haven't got that survey back yet. Anyway, so that's happened, and that's on YouTube and playing pretty well. If you haven't seen that, it is there as well, and you can see why Alex likes his car.
0: Lucas S. writes to us as a long-time listener and viewer. Lucas, thank you so much for writing. For sure. We have answered many of your questions, and he says, I'm thanking you because he traded his 2016 Lexus IS300 all-wheel drive F-Sport. Okay. And picked up a new 2019
1: Miata RF, and yeah. it is our fault. It is very our we fault. We will take responsibility for that. That's one. been a car we've talked about at least twice, at least twice, <laughs> once <laughs> like or twice. per podcast. Yeah, he said the decision
0: came after listening to one of the recent episodes when Todd you explained your no compromise car ownership rules, mm. and thankfully his family situation allowed him to downsize to a more economical vehicle and more fun meant your words hit home very deeply.
1: I, I get lucky now and then. I say something that Pink somebody finds hears. a truffle, is that yeah, what you're totally. saying? I say something that somebody hears and goes, "Huh. That guy's not just a hairy idiot. It's great. It really <laughs> works well." Yeah. So his family's
0: laughing at him, at Lucas, that he got himself a midlife crisis car. You know what? Mm-hmm. My midlife crisis started at 27 when I got that 928. It started before then, but I, I don't think so. well no, but he clarifies
1: that. Said He says, I've, I've had this crisis since I started driving. I just haven't go. been able to do anything about it, which is what we talk about. Here this we go. Is, I, I'm sorry. I'm saying it again. I've said it before, but I, I need to reiterate this. If you just bought a sports car, and you are of an age that people go, "Oh, is it a midlife crisis?" First off, if you bought red, that exacerbated your problem. But sure, right If you bought a red convertible, which he bought a convertible. but <laughs> like, are you pe- on vacation? Yeah people in their their 40s and up, let's say you buy a sports car. nobody in your neighborhood's ever seen you drive a sports car before, and oh, he's having a midlife crisis. Yeah it might be literally that you've always wanted a sports car. And this is the first time you can actually justify and afford one. And that's valid. But I am going to give you this cautionary tale. If this is the first of a series of sports cars you own until you can no longer drive way down the line, yeah, then yeah. that just proves it's not a midlife crisis. I just finally can get to driving what I want. That's different than, oh, I bought a sports car. And six months later, I said, yeah, it's not me. That was a midlife crisis. <laughs> My grandfather didn't stop driving until he was 98. That's one of my favorite stories is his is his warranty story. <laughs> it's the best ever.
0: All right. So, his thank, thankful. he says his wife understands his feelings. She agreed to the purchase as well. That's very important. And he says it is important to have the support of your loved ones when you're doing something rather
1: crazy. We don't think so.
0: This is not crazy zone over here. This you're is not,
1: normality. You haven't gotten close to crazy yet. I hope your wife has driven the car. Agreed. I hope she not only agreed. rides it but, but drives it and likes it because that would be even cooler.
0: All right. Russell Morgan writes to us. He's loving his F80. Oh, that's cool. He says a few years ago, he wrote to us about a car debate he had raging. He has owned many cars and pre-kids. He used to do high-performance driving events Mm -hmm. and competitive autocross in Florida's NASA. But when he wrote to us, he had moved to Seattle and had kids. Poof. These these things happen. Yes. After a decade of built turbo Subarus, WRXs, and two (laughs) SDIs that he raced. Okay. He still wanted something that was fun to drive and had his hair on fire like a 360-wheel horsepower Stroker GT30 Turbo STI, mm. but it could actually be a family car if it had to be. <laughs> I'm doubting that STI was quite
1: <laughs> ready for family duty. It's stripped done. out, yeah. cage, Fast, it but no. it
0: sounds like a snare drum on the roof. I think your wife would probably appreciate that. We talked about GT350s at the time as possibly being a good fit, and he drove two of them. Really liked the 2016 at the time. But then he looked at other cars, like the C-Class AMGs and E90 M3s, and then he landed on the F80 M3. Mm-hmm. And he said his first two test drives in DCT cars were not impressive. His STI felt faster. Well, you're you're used to racing, and
1: you're used to you're that conditioned car. in a yeah. different category thing, than most people. That thing being a bullet for sure. Yeah.
0: He says, you know, it felt faster, but he didn't realize until the third test drive that the traction control was killing the party. Mm. When he disabled the feature, the car came alive. (laughs) Remove nannies. Have fun. He's been a bit of a turbo junkie for a very long time, hence the decade of WRX. Decade of WRX. But the F80 is an absolute beast. He says, wallop of torque past 80% throttle in that thing. It just broke the tires loose. And he says he added a BMS stage one piggyback unit. But adding power, (laughs) he said, would make the situation
1: worse. What I love about this, Russell, is that you, you... Reveal to us that you're a guy that has tuned stuff within an inch of its life. And then you buy a BMW M3 F80, and you decide this isn't quite enough yet. And so the first thing you do is figure out how to tune that as well. I, I just love that, that that you have the disease. I love it, my friend. It's or power. Well, what he's done now
0: is reflash the ECU with a boot <laughs> mod 3 to OTS Stage 1 map, and he says the car is amazing now. He says it sounds like a sales pitch, but you know what? He says, this is a testament to what that F80 is truly capable of. Okay, We always say that with the competition version of each BMW that comes out. We're sort of like, why did there need to be the original that yeah. wasn't? Shouldn't you have made you know, this like version? Weak noodles. The, now this is the one you should have made in the first place. And just call it the, what you called the other one instead of adding more words. Well,
1: and, and then in the case of the M2 is the weird one. Because a lot of times when they do this, the competition is the spec that we wish they'd done originally, but it's like a tightening and a refreshing. In the case of the M2, it's a whole different engine. Yeah. And they don't actually lead with that. It's just like, oh, by the way, this is the revised M2, the competition. But the reason we're not selling the old one is because the old one had the old engine and it was <laughs> terrible, quote-unquote. But honestly, watch our film Icon where we drive all the BMW M3s plus the 1M and the M2. We still really like that original M2, and they're cheap now, too. Speaking cool. of which…
0: Russ paid fifty eight thousand for the car with sixty seven hundred miles on it. Okay. BMW still strangely covered all the maintenance until the warranty ran out, which was cool. Car now has thirty three thousand miles on it, and as long as he does the service, he says the running costs are low. It's been okay.
1: bulletproof reliable. That's just great like to Maseratis. Hear. That's I love
0: it.
1: <laughs> He's loving just, the car, just <laughs> like Maserati. Oh, That's yeah. going to be BMW's new slogan. You know, it used to be the ultimate driving <laughs> machine. Then it was what something I forget, and now it's going to be BMW just like Maserati. Yes. <laughs> Maybe I'll,
0: I might backpedal on that <laughs> don't, one. <laughs> don't send that to them. They won't like it. <laughs> All he does is look back whenever he parks it at the back of the lot in Paul Parking. I know uh, perfect. it. Perfect. I, I love it. 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 That's great. Three, Three years later.
1: Thank you, Russ, for writing. Shane wrote in after listening to podcast 497 where we were asked an interesting question about a guy with a white car mm-hmm. that was seeing rust spots in a year-old car. That's right. That's and we right. were kind of shaking our heads. And I will admit that many of you, Shane and many others, actually wrote in with, I think it's this, I think it's that. We had, you know, yeah. things that we think it was hauled by this kind of transport and that kind of thing. We were a lot of discussions. But his comment was that he believes it's rail dust, which is brake dust that comes out and fuses itself into the paint, and he is recommending, I think this is hysterical, he's recommending a garage clay bar from our friends at Griot's. He's saying plug, plug. Apparently he has one and loves it, but he said if you do that in elbow grease, it will get rid of those spots, and then you put some sealant on it, and it won't happen going forward. So... Shane believes he solved this problem. So if you're listening from when we talked about that on 497, uh, you've got Shane to thank. (laughs) Well, he says he was captivated by a Fiat 500 Abarth
0: in Boston. And he wrote in about ending Mm. up buying a Can-Am Renegade XMR 1000R instead of a car. Okay. Wrong podcast, but great. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Well, then he adjusted his budget, as many of you do after you give me all kinds of you know what for uh-huh. blowing out the budget, and then yeah. you oh, I adjusted the budget ten thousand dollars in the positive direction. <laughs> I'm just you know, yeah. Well, dishing but, it back a but, little but bit. But
1: you're stating yeah, we're stating what really happens. We've got another one coming up here in a few minutes that with the budget doubled. I mean, this does happen <laughs> regularly. So yeah, I have I'm to back your you. play. I'm so not, yeah, go on. I'm not. That I'm
0: crazy, but I'm not that crazy. Anyway, so he fell in love with a 2009 Mini Cooper hardtop with a six-speed. The Abarth definitely had more personality from the exhaust. Yes. But he said the Mini got him with the quirkiness and the feeling of being safer for the kids. It's all in the name of research and safety for the kids. <laughs> While safety <being> thicker. <laughs> <laughs> bigger having a very good crash rating also important. Yeah. He says the handling is outrageously fun especially compared to his 2017 F150 company truck.
1: <laughs> That's a low bar. I was going to
0: say anything compared to your F150. This handles better and than
1: my F150. Towing. That there's a there, that list is lengthy <laughs> just so you know, yeah.
0: He picked it up for $4600 and will slowly be fixing it up with the kids and who knows okay. maybe it'll be his son's first car. Cool. All right. So, yes, we have uh, been working on reinfecting you with the car disease, but he couldn't be happier with the purchase and the ongoing project. I love it. And he says, the kids will constantly be asked to take the Mini wherever they go unless it is his English Nana who lives nearby, unless she steals it and never comes back. And he says <laughs> that's
1: very So possible. the whole family loves it. I think that's great. I love that. That's it's cool. really good. Ted wrote in as well with car conclusions. He's saying he's listened for a long, long time, but uh, he was looking for a runabout because he had – Remember that F-150? We're looking for cars that handled worse than the F-150. Here's one. The extended length crew cab toy hauler F-350. Not an agile car. Hatchy and Handley is not where this lives. He had that. He was looking for a, just, a, just a quick little runabout. Who cares? And so he went to his local Ford dealer mm-hmm. and was looking at a Fiesta SE just a little nothing fiesta don't care need a runabout that'll be fine it was going to be ten thousand dollars canadian he thought that's going to be perfect and he left with a fiesta st with zero (laughs) percent financing and free maintenance for four years winter tires and he cannot drive this car enough and he said he wished he could have gotten the orange but it was only available in gray or black but zero percent financing brand new fiesta st he is ecstatic I think one of the colors they need to add is urinal cake white. So you walk in
0: and you're like, "I'll take one of those, please." No. It needs to sound kinda cool. <laughs> he says "Molten Orange was not an option." But in the four years he's had this thing, it's been an absolute blast. Are there better cars out there? You bet. But since then, his business has changed. He's had to bail out some family members who ran into significant financial issues. So while the truck and most, most of the toys may be gone, he still has a BMW GS motorcycle, but he's still got this. He says it blasts past all the SUVs in the
1: ditch. Yes, winter tires. Well, he said he puts on the winter tires and a roof rack for skis and passes SUVs to the ski mountain. I love that image so much. That's fantastic. He actually did the SD Octane account. Academy and a couple good. of extra days at the performance school in
0: 2017. Very he said, cool. did have a couple of days at snowbird and three days mountain biking in Moab. Love it, man. Fantastic. So he loves the Roqueiro seats. He's six foot 175 pounds. He says, these are the best seats I've ever owned. That's very cool. Good. Fantastic. Good, good. Anyway, Ted, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. I'm glad you're loving your car
1: still and, Yeah, that's what it's all about. But this is what happens. We walk in going to buy a fill in the blank and we leave not buying that because we saw the other thing. I mean, but here, if you love it and 0% financing, I mean, that's fantastic. Free money done.
0: All right. Greg writes to us with an update from the car debate episode four, four, seven. He says to jog our memory. He was the psychology doctoral student writing to debate a car for his girlfriend Mm -hmm. who is indifferent to cars and their usage beyond utility. Okay. Our advice was to find what is meaningful to her about cars and driving. Todd, you suggested an electric car. Yeah. While she didn't at buying one, she did purchase a 2019 Mazda 3 all-wheel drive hatch in sole red crystal metallic. Those are pretty.
1: Absolutely
0: loves it.
1: That's great. And those are really, really pretty. And here's what they discovered. Together, by going through and looking at this and figuring out what she liked, she realized That what she wanted was something that felt high quality and like Mm -hmm. the styling was intentional and all collected. Like this has a purpose. This is the styling look of this car. And the Mazda 3 did that like crazy. And they were even able to get it for $4,000 off the sticker price. They are thrilled. I love about this. Not only that you're thrilled, Greg, but I like the fact that you're indifferent to cars, girlfriend. Now has a car she loves. That's a big shift. That's a win. That's a triple win. And you
0: can talk to her about it. And it's something else to connect you guys. And as you said in your email here, Greg, the Mazda does punch above its class in these areas. You got it for you know, you save money. So yeah. when, instead yeah. of saying, Here's my budget, you always say, Well, I got, you know, four thousand off sticker.
1: Well, but see <laughs> but see, this is the running joke about girl math and I'm sorry somebody out there is offended but my, my wife that's her term for it is girl math because she will come home and say I got this for 50% off now that that's amazing but what does that mean it cost uh-huh. you, you led yes. with how much you save but I don't know how much you spent I say that because my wife makes every bit as much as I do and, and knows our finances in and out but she still comes in and loves to lead with that which makes me laugh she's like I have some girl math I'm like oh good <laughs>
0: All right, and the last one for this podcast, the last car conclusion, is Kelly Hales. It is Chance's dad. Yeah. You remember episode 480, the rock crawler commuter car decision. Mm -hmm.
1: Something has happened. Well, and I have to remind you all that the problem was he had a rock crawler Jeep that, because of the gearing and the tires and the setup, couldn't get up hills at freeway speeds. Mm -hmm. So it was like, huh. I think I might need something else. Well, at the time this episode aired,
0: he was part of a restructuring at his employer. Mm-hmm. And he was asked to become the manufacturing manager. This change took a couple of months to complete, but in the end resulted in a $20,000 per year raise, which advanced the budget for their vehicular needs. Of course it did. Yeah. But he says the added responsibilities and potential time requirements, it brought with it an examination of his priorities. Okay. Okay. Now, he's got the Jeep obsession. Chance tells us about his dad's Jeeping experiences and, you know, as a kid when they went Jeeping all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. It's endless entertainment. But he says, we'll keep the Cherokee for the family car for the time being. So that gives them the four by four capability. That was his
1: wife's lifted rock crawl capable (laughs) Cherokee is staying, yes.
0: But that's the rock crawling thing is not what they want to focus their free time on. He does want to go out in the desert, go to picnics or, you know, that kind of thing. So reminder they're they're in Arizona. Yeah, yeah. He had mentioned his dream car was the Mustang GT350.
1: And do you remember what I recommended? I, <laughs> I recommend do actually. I recommended the EcoBoost Mustang. Now, let me, oh, let me, right. let me stop right. for a second. Because the requirement, when Kelly wrote in, was about $20,000 worth of budget. Mm-hmm. So this will yeah. play back into what happens with Paul every single car debate. But it was about $20,000 budget and some muscle car styling and good economy. Mm-hmm. And I took that and went. You need to get yourself an EcoBoost Mustang.
0: Well, he had looked at chances resto mod, totally. And, you know, ridden in the 911, and he'd
1: driven in, in newer know, stuff. Kind of, it was yeah. a nice new ish car, but it checked all the other boxes. And this was one of those problems where. Uh, Kelly just can't imagine the idea that a Mustang even comes in a four-cylinder. I know. Uh, let alone many agree him that. buying a four-cylinder. I wonder what Kelly thinks of the Mach E. Yeah, because that would be a long. Yeah. That'd be a couple podcasts worth of conversation. And to his credit, he went. I see Todd's logical point, and I do, and I deny it. I throw it right out. <laughs> so then we have a raise and an interest in a GT350. Go on. So therefore, he bought it. That is what they got. Mm -hmm. He figured the financial commitment is
0: similar to building the Cobra kit, but he gets to enjoy it right now. It's way more practical, and it is an absolute beast and a blast to drive, he says. They found a 2016 car locally with 7,300 miles, black with no stripes. That's cool. You don't see many of those. Yeah, it does have the technology pack with the nice dampers, the stereo upgrade, heated he and cooled seats. He says he tried out the Recaros in another GT350, and they'd be better on the track. But he feels like you know he'd rather have these because they have yeah. good bolsters, yeah. not as tall in the thigh area. But he says this is a jump from the original plan. But he wanted <laughs> to have a great car at least once in his life. He's Bravo. never even driven a, a standard GT for comparison. He went from rock crawling and Mustangs are cool to buying <laughs> at that point. The, the best one they yes, offered, the
1: GT350. Well done, Kelly. I love this story, and what I Fantastic. love about it is this is one of those absolute executions of. Well, my budget is now twice what it was when I wrote in. So <laughs> when Paul goes off down the deep end, we know it does actually happen.
0: Telling you, well, I, Kelly, congratulations, and yeah, a lot of people around him were surprised to see him sell the Jeep <laughs> and buy a car. But he loves his commute now, That's and he fantastic. does look back when he parks and remembers that it really is his car. And, of course, you know, blipping the throttle and tunnels and, you know, all the stuff. Annoying the neighbors because you dogs. can. I get it. It's great stuff. Fantastic. Kelly, well done. We're thrilled for you. And for all you guys that have found something, and it doesn't matter what we recommend at some point. It matters that you take our recommendations and throw them in the trash and say, I'm going to go a different direction. But it got you thinking. That's mm-hmm. what
1: we love. And now that that car payment comes in every month and you go, yeah, I'm paying that. Yeah. And then you park it and you walk into the grocery store and you go, that's my car. That's, that's a win.
0: And a reminder to all of us enthusiasts, when enthusiast cars are offered on the market, unlike everybody on YouTube who says, well, it's not the right spec or I, I wouldn't buy it or whatever. If it is the right spec and you can't afford it, let's support our car manufacturers. Let's do buy those enthusiast cars so they are around for years to come. and So they will make more. Telling yes. The manufacturers to keep doing this. Yes. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate all your car conclusions. There will be many more because, like I said, we're backed up. And apologies for, uh, for the lateness on this. But I'm thrilled to share all your stories. So keep writing to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com, for your topic Tuesdays, mm-hmm. your car debates, and your continued car conclusions.
1: Jillian wrote in to us from uh, northern New Jersey and is looking for a new daily. So we're actually now to the car debate portion. We did the car conclusions. Let's see if Jillian can write in after a while with a conclusion.
0: Jillian, thanks for writing. She currently drives an 09 Honda Accord Coupe V6. She's owned for the past five years. This generation of the Accord Coupe came out when she was in high school, and for some reason it stuck in her head for years. But after months of searching when she was looking for a car, I found one with relatively low miles and in budget – so she bought it for herself. First adult
1: purchase. I love And it's it. taught her so much about owning a car, maintenance and tires. But she's ready for something new already. I love that. I love that. No, it's great. I think it's fantastic. And that was a good gen of the Accord Coupe V6. We drove it a while back in a comparison, and our only complaint was need better tires. But you said you're already learning about tires. You may have solved that. The other thing I think is funny is when she started test driving things, it wasn't until she started test driving things that she realized, that Accord's a lot bigger than I thought it was. <laughs> yeah. Right. she started driving stuff that is genuinely small and realized, My car's bigger than all of these. Yeah, you know, you come
0: back to your car at the end of the day, test driving things, Mm -hmm. and you'll think one or two thoughts. Oh, I have to get in this? Yeah. Or, huh, I still like the dynamics of my car. True. I'm still doing okay over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just kind of depends. Well, the new daily needs to commute 40 miles round trip on mostly highway, but some stop and go. Okay. But it needs to be an automatic. Because of that commute. Sure, I see that. It also needs to hit a budget of $22,000 which I'll, okay. I'll do my best. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's no other restrictions, really, but no manual. It's still on the list, but you know she still hasn't learned the
1: skill, which is and, fine. And she's commuting in exactly. New Jersey. So those two things are exactly. keeping the manual out of the discussion for right now. But the key thing here is new experience and yeah, happy yeah. to get winter tires. Really, the rest of it's kind of on the table. What I find funny is that she drove the M235i and thought it was a bit small. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think of that as necessarily a small car, but it clearly was smaller to her than the Accord. But the top of her list is the GTI, which I don't think of as really any bigger than the, two, the, the 235. So yeah. It's interesting. We're in a, she kind of has some that she likes and not others, but we can kind of go a little smaller than the Accord, but I don't think a really small car is in the cards here.
0: My concern was the potholes and uneven road surface discussion here, Jillian, especially weather. But northern New Jersey, yeah, potholes. She'll combat the latter with winter tires, she said. But, you know, if we recommend something too stiffly sprung, I don't want that for you. I don't want you to be like, yeah, I got my dream car. And then you're hating the commute Mm. because of just suspension. It's beating you up. I don't want you to then fall out of love with it just because of the road surface that you don't Mm. have. So, as Todd said, top of the list is GTI. Uh, she got an experience with BMW while they were promoting their new three series last year, did a few autocross laps and really enjoyed it, but then drove an M235i and wanted to love it, but found it a bit small. Yeah. Which yeah. is where the realization of how big the accord was. That that's where that came in. And an automatic BRZ was test driven. I, it saw, th- that. I saw that. Was found a bit yeah. lagging as a daily commuter. I agree. It's
1: no good as a commuter. I don't want to commute in it. But on a mountain road comes to life. It's not, it's not where it shines is the commute, even though I, I would drive it all the time. But anyway. I know you would. But, but and you did. But to her credit, she said that feels like the right car when she's ready for a manual transmission. And there I fully agree. Okay. Yeah. That would be a yeah, really, yeah, I, really good. Because it's got a great manual transmission. It's an easy car to learn on. And it has enough driver engagement. I know I'm talking about the 86 again. has enough driver engagement <laughs> that with the manual, you would you would enjoy all of those inputs really well. So I think that is on your to-do list later would be a BRZ or an FRS or 86. I think that's excellent. But it's not where we are right now. Right. With $22,000, you've got a lot of good options,
0: a lot of drive, homework to go do. I wanted to go in a bit of a different direction than just hot hatches. There are some good ones that you can look at, like Golf R's with the DCT, like Caymans with the PDK. It's not a hot hatch, but you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. There's some great cars out there that are still very lively and great to drive Mm -hmm. in the dual-clutch form. Okay. The Veloster N with the DCT is coming. Just keep Mm -hmm. that in mind. If you can hold out for just a bit longer, the Veloster N. My problem with that is the potholes discussion. Yeah, I don't know that it's a cheap car. Yeah, I don't know what it is. So I went over here to Mini Cooper. Mini Cooper S. Good, good, good. That's an interesting discussion. Like the 86, I feel like that car comes to life with a manual transmission. I Mm do. So I thought if you really want to... You know, go to Bargain Land. Welcome to Bargain Land.
1: <laughs> All cars very
0: cheap today, yes. <laughs> Let me show you an E36 BMW M3. Oh, wow. Because the automatic with
1: those cars
0: are cheap. Oh, yeah, big time. E36. Spend, spend a 30 your budget, yeah. M3, nobody wanted the automatic. Mm-hmm. Everybody's desperate to mm-hmm. find the manual, point. which All are right. the expensive cars. Yeah, yeah, okay. But you could still get the dynamics of that car. I'm just wondering, you might be able to find, well, it depends on if you like the SMG or not in the E46, but... Mm-hmm. Just think of like, this is like Paul's Maserati and you'll be fine with it. (laughs) Well, no, you'll, you'll
1: drive it and think, how does he tolerate this? (laughs) That's what will happen. Yeah. Maybe so. SMG is really hard to push off on that car. Yeah.
0: But here's the car that I thought could be the standout for you because it's so different. Okay. It's dynamically different. It is still large. It is the C6 Grand Sport
1: Corvette. Oh, wow.
0: What do you think? What do you think? Um, Just just chew on this. It's very different.
1: It's very different. I think the great thing about it is it gives Jillian a completely different experience. Yes. That I think she would like. And that is a car that is commute worthy. I know it sounds insane, but those cars will happily just commute. Now, Mm -hmm. please go take it somewhere and drive it hard, but it'll happily commute. Yeah. Now, what is her tolerance for taking a sports car like that through potholed roads? Agreed. Agreed. And what kind of stuff needs to be carried in life? Now, it has a huge hatch. But it is a two seat car. So I don't know where the line is here. I don't know how you use that Accord Coupe. Do you fill it all the time with stuff? Or is the stuff in the back hatch of the C6, which has got a a very large back hatch? Could you get by with that? I mm, I wonder about the commute because I like the idea a lot. It can do the GT Cruisey commute thing. All Corvettes can. That's what they've been really good at. Yeah.
0: But then, you know, when you want to step up, you've got power Mm -hmm. and you could autocross it, you could track it. You can mm-hmm. cross country it. Yeah. It does so many things well. Of course, because the low price, you get the I,
1: not as ideal interior. <laughs> not as <laughs> ideal. Uh, that's that. That was subtle. Well done, sir. It's just yeah. it's
0: something to weigh. It's just a a left turn. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to hear me say it. I'm going to leave it there. You might be able to just say. Throw it out, not interested, but just okay. food for thought because the platform is so different. What else? Anything else in there? I, I'm kind of I'm okay. full.
1: I, I could keep naming cars because sure. there is such a lit of a cars There's at this price level, but those are the ones I'm sticking with. $22,000. The big thing I want for you, Jillian, is a different experience. Yeah, okay? Now, I'm going to start with something pretty similar to where you are, and then I'm going to go toward different stuff. I think I still think that M235 is really fascinating that it didn't work for you because it felt small. I don't mm-hmm. think of that car as overly really small. But, okay, I'm, I'm trying to be cautious of that. But the fact that you list the GTI made me go here because I also want something not only a different experience, but something that you don't see a ton of. Okay. Okay? And I like the GTI. There's nothing wrong with the GTI. But what about this? You know what you can get for 22 grand? Mm. they are out there. Look them up on Auto Tempest. They're just around, Audi S threes.
0: Oh, Audi now, S3s. now they can go up quickly,
1: but it, with twenty grand, you can find them. Twenty twenty four. That's how many the sweet miles? Spot. Oh, they're not that bad. I'm looking at them here. I've got uh, here's one with uh, for right at twenty four grand with fifty thousand miles. I've got and that's, that's not a, bad. That's a twenty fifteen, for example. Okay? That's not bad. So it really it it varies. I'm scrolling through quite a few of them here, but okay, here's a seventy six thousand mile twenty fifteen for twenty thousand dollars. S three. Audi S3. That is the sedan version of the Golf R. I. That's kind of cool. I, cool. I kind of wonder if that is, if you like the GTI, I kind of wonder if the S3 is the answer. But the interesting thing about that car is we did an S3 versus M235i comparison. Those cars are about the same size. This is where yeah. I'm confused because yeah. the GTI has worked for you and those other cars haven't. And I'm wondering if the hatch is kind of making you think the car is bigger than it is. I did have one car that was similar to what you have and feels to me like the updated dynamics of what you have. You have this Accord coupe you really like. You like the size of it. That's front wheel drive, does have good dynamics. What about a current gen Mazda 6?
0: Okay. Yeah, those are They're the same size as an Accord.
1: Fantastic right? interior. Great technology. Nice place to be. I would commute in one of those and never think twice. They drive never better think than you twice. think. They and they do. drive really well. We have a comparison yeah. coming up of sedans of that type, and that's in there. So Mazda 6 is, is one. And then I was trying to think, okay, hang on. What if we go that size but this budget and try to go rear-wheel drive? And you know what's very close hmm. that you're not going to see any of, Jillian, and they're very cool? The Infiniti Q50, but the Red Sport – Starts at about 23 grand. They're not that cheap. 23, 24, I found a few. They're still selling them new now, for her, 50 or more. Uh, 50 or more. Now her budget is 22. I'm above budget, but Q50 is interesting. Q50 Red Sport for that money. That's where it gets interesting. That's a find. 400 that's, horsepower.
0: That's a new level of luxury you probably haven't experienced, which is a good thing.
1: And big like, rear-wheel drive wow, power. It, yeah. But it would be a perfectly nice place to just commute, yeah. too.
0: That'd be an excellent commuter.
1: So I, that I, that's as far as I'm going. But I couldn't believe I got so close to your budget and wound up with the – not now, Q50, you can find them all day long. Yeah. At Q50 Red Sport with the 400 horsepower, you're awfully close. And then a last one in that era that is very much in the do you like it or not. But look at uh, Cadillac ATSs, maybe an ATS Coupe. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because oh. now your rear-wheel drive, yes. great chassis. I wish now, the V-Series
0: were down there at that yeah, price. Yeah, but the
1: style, the styling is love it or hate it. I will admit it. But the I think the ATS Coupe is pretty cool looking, and they are getting cheap. If you can find
0: one with magnetic ride, that changes that's everything much about yeah. your purchase. Getting into social media questions, there's one on Facebook from Paul Kavanaugh I, I couldn't resist <laughs> okay go how often do we get a letter or email from someone who makes it clear they only like one of us
1: <laughs> well, the way the email is typically structured, Paul is that somebody goes on a tirade about what one of us said they may, I don't know how much they hate us, but they, uh-huh. they leave one out while they berate the other one uh-huh yeah well.
0: First of all, Paul, there's the comments. It's mostly manifested in YouTube comments. But people will say the guy in this video says blah blah blah. I'm going uh
1: <laughs> that is our favorite. When somebody comments the guy in this video is an idiot. It's like, well, there were two guys. So are we both idiots or do you want to pick one of us? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're
0: both pretty different people and <laughs> fairly, you know. Fairly, I yeah. Don't get that way. But anyway, so As far as letters and emails, it's mostly if we say something about their baby. If they Mm, own a car mm, and we said blank about it. But what's funny is you'll go through the rest of the the piece and we'll say, well, did you watch the whole thing? Because inevitably people haven't watched the whole thing where we say nice Mm. things about it. But here's this one area. It was just like the GTR at the very beginning. Ten or more years ago now, we didn't like the driving dynamics. The people who owned them then said, guys, you're right. I still love my GTR. (laughs) The rest of the internet had a conniption and melted down because we were wrong because it was the best car ever. So if we say something about their car, inevitably that means, well, okay, we know you own this car that you're talking about. You haven't actually come out and said it, but we know you You own it. And it's mostly about, well, you guys said, well, which one, you know, who was it? Yeah. Yeah, and it's okay for us to take the the shots over here because from the very beginning we've always said, hate us both, love us both, mm-hmm. hate one of us, hate the other. Yeah, form your own opinion. Yes, for as sure. As long as we get the debate and the discussion going, yeah. and yeah. you're better off, that's what we want. So it almost it doesn't matter. And after a decade or more, you know, we've developed pretty thick skin because we've had to. <laughs> we do appreciate all your comments and we read them and we go, okay, if there's truly we're way off base and we're wrong we're the first to raise our hands and be like, all right, we're idiots over here.
1: Well, there's plenty of times that we have learned stuff from toxic comments and I mean that truthfully and sometimes, and that was the big skill first getting into this was trying to find is there anything of merit in a comment that is toxic or a person that is raging at us because Mm -hmm. a lot of times there's stuff to still learn in there Sure. and we try to find that. Other times, we just kind of laugh and shake our heads and go, did you see this one? Did you see this one? (laughs) And then we shake our heads and we go on and we do something else Right. which is always interesting. Kirk Meyer on Facebook has a track daily crush that's pretty difficult. There's a lot of them on here. Did you notice? Mercedes-Benz GTR. Oh. Audi R8 manual. Yeah. Porsche 911 991 GTS track daily crush. Arr. Wow. Um. I actually think I'm going to a- answer this knowing that the Audi R8 manual is a fantastic car that I would personally like to own mm-hmm. and I'm still crushing it. Yeah. Because the Mercedes Benz, being an automatic, having the nicer newer interior, is going to be a very nice place to be if you're sitting in traffic or if you're hooning through traffic. Fantastic, and that GTS 911 is going to be awfully good on the track.
0: There was another track daily crush over here from Matt Garrett eighty two. He dared
1: me. Oh, they're all Porsches. Oh, yeah. feel free. I'll just sit here quietly. Yeah, it's hard for me, but I will. <sighs> <laughs> Cayman seven eighteen GT four. So the
0: really the brand-new Cayman that I really, really want. <clears throat> the 911 GT3, which I love and really want. And the 959, which I love and really want. Noting a trend, yeah. Matt, I'm trying here. <laughs> I guess I would... What would I do? <laughs>
1: uh, you walked down this road. I did. Yeah.
0: He dared me, and I, I thought, oh, okay, I've got this, and now I'm looking at it again. I would... I would. (laughs) Tune in next time when Paul makes a conclusion. Darn it. I am going to daily the 959. I thought you would. Because who gets to daily a 959? Because you'd
1: be the only one ever. Yes, I hear you.
0: The Cayman 718 GT4 is apparently brilliant on track. I have no doubt. This is my track car, which means Mm -hmm. crushing the GT3. Wow. Right. I did it. All right. I don't feel good about myself, but I did it.
1: I am the problem 28 is asking me. He says, I refer to the Elise as my cul-de-sac car, meaning a car where there's no next from that. Now, let me clarify. I will get a different car. <laughs> it's just there's not a clear progression of, oh, if you have one of those, you need one of these. But then he's saying, wait a minute. Hang on. Hang on. Isn't the Avora the next logical step? Why do I not feel like they're connected? Let me clarify. The, the Elise has a level of raw connection that even the Alpha 4C, which is almost exactly the same size and almost exactly the same weight, it can't even match. Huh. Okay? The huh. Elise hasn't had another car come along and people at large are going, you know what this is like? This is like the Lotus Elise. <laughs> the 4C got close. That was the initial press. And then it was like – Still 1,000 yeah, pounds just, heavier or something. Well, it's not. But it, it, it's, cl- it's close, actually. It's, a, it's like 400 pounds heavier, four or 600 pounds heavier, okay, depending on bad. your spec. It's down there. It's close. It's manual steering. It's, it checks almost all the boxes. But yet if you drive an Elise and a 4C, you go, yeah, the Elise is better. So it's not like the 4C mm-hmm. is the next step to, oh, it's the same idea but just a little bit better. The Evora is almost exactly the middle ground, and I love it, between the Elise and the Cayman. Yeah, I can see it's that. almost exactly the midpoint. I would love to have an Avora. I'd love that to be next. I would love to a four hundred or a GT would be amazing. There's a big price jump. There's a big weight jump, and it does have comparatively, it keeps you a little bit more at bay than the Elise does because the Elise is a fire hose all the time of info. The Avora is something where it's like I could do a road trip, and the Elise is like really. <laughs> so that is yeah. the difference. And, and plus, keep yeah. this in mind: the Avora weighs three thousand pounds which is not heavy in modern cars. And that is a thousand pounds more than the Elise. That is a big difference in feel behind the wheel. So that's the reason that I've got a car that has no next
0: on Twitter. Ben Davis just watched American original to make sure this question was not answered previously. Uh, uh Also an excuse to rent the film. Okay, good. What does stingray mean in the C seven and C eight generations? Did Chevy or GM just add it to the Corvette name for marketing purposes? Well, Ben, the stingray discussion actually started in the late fifties and manifested itself in the spring of 1960 for the concept car for the C two generation. Yeah. Yeah. Based on my research and what I can find the tapered roof at the back of the 63 car mm-hmm. was an extension of Bill Mitchell's stinger concept that had that blade shaped phallic, bulge
1: thing on the hood. <laughs> Easy there. Family podcast, but I am with it was you. Yes.
0: Followed by a sharp Ridge running up over the roof and continue down to the tail, creating mm-hmm. the split window car. Yeah. Which makes
1: love. total sense for the original stingray name. But now fast forward
0: the word fast forward. The word now just means a proper performance version that Zora Arcus Duntov, he said was proud to drive in Europe. So really stingray is the finest of the breed is what they use to describe the car. It manifested itself early on from a styling perspective, but it did mean performance to Zora, mm. and it continued to manifest itself in Stingray flavors, Stingray versions throughout the Corvette history. So now Stingray is just applied to the car, but now we have even better versions than mm. the Stingray. Yeah. Faster, better, block.
1: I'm going to be the cynic and say uh, this is a marketing department going, oh, that's right. We own the rights to that name. We haven't used that in a while. People haven't heard of a Stingray in a while. Let's put that back on the car. But I'm a cynic. Speaking of poor marketing decisions, can I read you the Maserati marketing blurb again? Can we can we just take a moment Jack. and bask in the glow of uh, you know Poseidon raising his pitchfork for a lightning strike? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's how it all began. Daniel Yaris says on Facebook, how do you choose the right car with so many choices? I change my mind daily. Daniel, we all change our mind daily. <laughs> a new car shows up yeah. in my driveway and I am looking at a different car already. This is the disease. The, Daniel, the, the thing here, this is the key in my mind. Accept the fact that your car doesn't have to stay around forever. And I'll be honest, I'm struggling with this with the Elise because yeah. it is a weird car, But yeah. but a car can be with you for... Six months. Can be with you for two years. You don't have to buy a car and think, I must have this for five years. I must have this for seven. A lot of us do, and there's nothing wrong with that either.
0: (laughs) Your bank payments would suggest that you do, but ignore all that. True,
1: true. But very much the thing about cars is you can move on, and that's what we encourage here. If you're not enjoying your current car, move on. Or you are enjoying your current car and you want a new experience. But even though that car is my Elise or the Phaeton, two totally different cars, both sitting in my driveway – like Liking mm-hmm. both for very different reasons, spent at least an hour today on Auto Tempest just looking at cars. It just happens.
0: Yeah. I wonder how much those cost. Totally, totally. Oh. And that
1: was before I did research for
0: the podcast. I was just looking. I was just looking at stuff. Yeah. Nick Fleetcroft asks if we're stupid for buying. If you're stupid for buying a new 2020 Supra, knowing the 21 mm. is coming out soon and seems to be better, or do you take the deals and the zero percent financing that the dealers are offering, Nick? Your wait. Okay.
1: Your wait. I this is a tough one because this is me waiting. Yeah, good job. And you are not known for your waiting this when is it comes the to waiting. Cars. Uh, the waiters. the trick here is the cars are going to keep getting refreshed. There is a big there is a big pile list of changes between the first year twenties and the twenty ones, but you're right, the twenties are the deals. I think here is my question. What are we talking about weight wise? If you didn't get one of the ones with the current deal, are you out of getting a performance car for the next few years? That's
0: what Waffleophagus is asking on Twitter. If the 2021 Supra is better meaningfully than the 2020, and Toyota has said they'll change it every year, which mm-hmm. they have stated publicly, yeah, yeah, yeah. how do you reconcile buying one when there will be some level of obsoleteness a year after you buy it?
1: Yeah, that's hard. I mean, there's
0: that with every car a little bit. There is. There is. It's hard. You just want it now, and ultimately, it's the driving dynamics that you want out of that car. Whether or not a manual transmission Supra comes at us, you buy it because you love the driving dynamics, you love everything about it, and you just want it now. Because waiting is also hard, because if you have the means and you can buy it. Now and you take advantage of the finance and guess what? You have an awesome super and you go get to drive it.
1: True. And and if you didn't have that deal, could you get that car at all? That's, That's true. The big question. Is that the determining factor? Which, which could be a big one here. And I also want to say that, look in general, and I have broken this many times, but I would still say it to people. If you cannot buy the first year of a car, you're probably going to get a better car. I don't care what car we're talking about. Generally the first year, there's tweaks instantly the second year that are meaningful in any car you can think of. Super is getting a lot of press, but a lot of times when you look at resale value of kind of pick a car, mm-hmm. the second year and on are the better ones. Uh, if you can buy a new car, buy a new car, period. But yeah, the, the 2020, 2021 thing is a big deal entirely based on your budget and finances, I think.
0: It is, it is. Right, Uh what
1: else do we have Daniel likes cars and Instagram says okay hang on hang on question if he gets a Mazda CX-5 for his wife and a Tacoma for him is that the combination or should it be Forerunner for her and Stinger for him can I mix and match can I do CX-5 for her and Stinger for you
0: I like that better I think so too yeah all right let's see Baloo240 asks if understeer can be fun asking for a friend
1: uh, based on my experience in the i30N at the ring last year, I would say yes.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Generally, I would say no because the okay. problem with understeer. That's a special is situation. I was going to say no. The problem with understeer is it's a waiting game. And when you're mm-hmm. trying to drive fast, waiting is not what you want to do. In order to stop understeer, you have to wait and slow down and wait for the car's grip to return to you. It's not oversteer where you can modulate and you can ride it out and you can right. be a hero. You're waiting for it to come back, and I've never liked it except for last year at the ring. It was pouring rain I was when say, we that was started,
0: a little bit special because very it was rainy. special.
1: Pouring rain when we started, and I went out with an instructor did something I've never done before, and that was use understeer as a tool. We were turning in crazy early toward the apex. Understeering past the apex and opening up the wheel to be rockets down the straight. I've never driven that way. But you had crazy. to
0: time it when it came you back. You had to time it right, you had which to is a little really, scary. Really well, yeah, yeah. Oversteer, yeah. you can control it more because you're steering with the throttle. You just yeah, yeah, yeah. add more gas. But more I, or less, that, yeah. that that is interesting. Hmm. All right, uh, let's see here. Oh. David Elfring also asks, how do you practice performance driving on the street without hooning? Can you build and maintain performance driving skills in daily driving? Hmm. Yes. If you know the skills that you want to work on, you can always practice heel toe and downshifting and upshifting. You can always do that. It's a matter of, drawing the line through a corner with your eye, which you can do with any corner at any speed. Yeah. 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 You draw your corner entry, your apex and your corner exit. Mm -hmm. So you can do that. If you can see through the corner and you can practice your line, even at a slow speed, it's what you would be doing on track, following an instructor in his snow tracks or her snow tracks. You can, it's just, of course, not as exciting because you don't, you don't get to connect it to a next corner and you don't get to do it at high speed. True. I will say that on-ramps are your friend. Absolutely, yeah. They don't have a speed limit. I've never seen a speed limit sign posted on an (laughs) on-ramp. They post after you reach the freeway entry. Mm -hmm. Then they're right there. Mm -hmm. But in that stretch, there's no
1: speed limit sign.
0: (laughs) Right here, it's do whatever.
1: Derek Miller wrote in and said he bought a new-to-him car, and he noticed that the prior owner had the bass, mid, and treble on the stereo all turned up to their maximum setting. So, you know, you go in mm, and you can yeah, change yeah. the balance. It was all clipped. Yeah. So yeah. the question is, uh, if you're clipped out, everything equal at the top setting, is that any different than everything equal at the zero setting? I say no, Derek. I say no. it's the same thing. You've just cranked everybody up equivalently. Uh, and so it may have been, well, then you just cranked the volume. It also asks him, um, second question, because they had done that to the stereo, does that mean that they were an owner that got everything they possibly could out of the car? I also think no. This is just somebody that didn't feel like the stereo was apparently powerful enough, and they thought the answer was crank all the buttons. That tells me nothing about how they drive. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Okay, last question from me from Philip Andrew
0: Branscom, who asks, if BMW decides the beaver teeth are a bad idea, <laughs> will they come up with a teethectomy for the cars? A
1: teethectomy. Oh, that, that <laughs> word's actually just fun to see written, honestly. It's just a fun word. It, it is a fun word to spell.
0: No, Philip, I think they will come up with a let's reinvest in a new design and new tooling to fix the front of our cars ectomy because (laughs) no people wanted to buy it ectomy. That's what they're going to end up doing. And I'm calling it. They're going to leave it alone for a year or two and then kind of scratch the back of their neck and say, yeah, maybe we were a little bit hasty.
1: (laughs) Here's a different design. Hope you like it. Yeah, Peter Peter Renslow asks a question that I think is going to take some time, man. But here's here's your question: You've only owned either large cars or big trucks, and you had a place where you think it'd be interesting to own a lauded, really good handling small car. But you've sat in, not driven, a Miata and a Boxster, and it feels claustrophobic to be in something small. Oh, sure. So okay. he's saying, how do I get over this? This car is way too small. Feel now. Peter hasn't told us how big he is. But I think there's a couple things at play here. Find a car where you like the visibility enough. I think that helps. 911s and Caymans are fantastic for their visibility in spite of being very small cars. The Lotus doesn't have great visibility. Convertibles have terrible visibility until you take the top down. (laughs) True. I bet you if you were in a Miata or a Boxster with the top down, you'd feel a lot better instantly. You'd feel a lot better about it. You have to accept the fact that you have gotten spoiled, and I have this with the Phaeton, you've gotten spoiled by space. And space is a luxury of its Mm -hmm, own, mm -hmm. but you've just gotten spoiled by the fact that there's just room for everything. But I would submit it to you like this. I bet you have work boots and running shoes. Awesome. Okay? And the work boots are fantastic. They do that job so well, and they're comfortable, and they're tough, and I dropped that on my toe, and I didn't notice because I got the steel-toed boots on. And they're awesome right now. But you don't want to go to the gym in them. Right. Right. Okay, And when you put on the running shoe to go running or to ride your bike or to go to the gym, you're so glad that your foot is light and agile and set up properly. This is the mindset change. Realize that you're not getting this small car to do the big things. You're doing it to be focused. You need, it needs to be tight fitting like a running suit, if you will. Mm. That's what you need. And if you go into that mindset and you maybe put the top down, you might be okay. Guys, nice.
0: thank you so much for your questions. I say it all the time, but it's you that run the podcast. It's very cool. Honestly, yeah. I really appreciate it. Keep writing your questions. EverydayDriverTV at gmail.com. Just drop us a line. Tell us what's on your mind. And we're looking forward. We're already in the midst of thinking about season
1: eight. Season seven hasn't come out yet for those who you keeping track. I yes. I know. Cheers, everyone.